0: We wanna welcome everyone here. Thank you so much. We welcome all of our campuses as well and welcome everybody watching online. Thank you for tuning in and being part of what God is doing right here at Better Life Church. I am so stoked about this new series. We're just going to jump into this, so grab your Bible, go with me to John chapter 14, or if you have your Bible app on your phone, you can go to John chapter 14. I'll be using the New Living Translation this morning if you want to follow along with me. And uh, we just came off a series talking about discipleship, and and that's a tough, tough thing to grasp. What does it mean to fully follow after Jesus? You surrender everything to his kingship, to his lordship, and uh, you, you You say goodbye to all your possessions. Like, how does that even work? How can I even do that? How can I even live that? In fact, some of you even question, probably in your heart, man, I don't know if I can do this. Like this is hard stuff, like this is tough. How do you follow Jesus in a broken, messed up world? And then Pastor Aaron came last week and did an incredible job, talking about distract, distracted discipleship. He did an amazing, amazing job as we can continue in this because this is actually part two of that series. We just didn't do like a 16 week series. That was part two. Was does it truly mean to follow Jesus? And then here's what, how do you do that? How do you literally follow after Jesus? Because we walk through all this stuff. Like. Who's here to help me? Like, because, you know, sometimes you live in this messed up, jacked up world and you're trying to do everything you can right, you're trying to be everything you can be, you're trying to obey the, the commands of the scripture, you're trying to live out the Bible, but how do you do that in such a messed up, messed up world? And so to, this series is gonna really focus on how, how we actually carry this out in our lives. And so in John chapter 14, this is, if you have been to um, a believer's funeral, You have probably have heard this passage quoted, at least the beginning of it, or maybe even expounded upon and and preached upon. And in John chapter 14, Jesus looks at the disciples and here's what he says. I am going to leave you. And their hearts said they were troubled. That literally means to shake with fear inside of them. We read, don't let your hearts be troubled, like it's no big deal. No, no, don't be troubled about it, Jesus is leaving. No, no, The, the word there means they shook their heart shook with fear knowing that God would not be with them or that Jesus would not be with them. So Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. And here's what you probably heard at, at the funeral. If I go home, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back to you and receive you to... Myself and we heard those before if you went to a, a funeral of a believer, they're saying Jesus had went and prepared a place for them and now Jesus has come home to take them to be with them. And that, that is true, that is true when we when we pass away. And so the disciples are confused. Jesus, you're leaving what are we gonna do, I thought we're gonna overthrow the Romans, I thought this is the time that God sets up his his kingdom here in Jerusalem and now you're the one who walks on water, raises the dead, feeds us, take care of us and heal us and now you're leaving us? You've poured your whole life, you've walked away from your family business You've walked away from everything that the world has called you to do and you follow this, this rabbi on these dusty roads for the last three years and now you are telling me you're leaving me. See, sometimes we read this and we don't put ourselves in that context. Like the emotional part, the heartbreaking part, the fear, the scare, wait, wait, what? We've left everything to follow you. You told us to surrender our kingdom, our possessions, our lordship, everything and now you're telling you're leaving us. Wait, wait, Jesus, I got so many questions here. And then we skip down to verse 15 and he says this to his disciples, if you love me, obey my commandments. Let me just stop right here because I could do a whole entire message on this one verse right here. The reason why you and I, you and I, the reason why we don't obey Jesus is because we don't love Jesus. And that hurts. Because we come in here and we sing, all I have is a hallelujah. We raise our hands. We say, oh God, how much we love you. Jesus, how much we love you. But I'm not going to forgive the person who hurt me. I'm not going to bless those who are in need. I'm not going to pray for my enemy for God to bless them. Now, I love you, Jesus, but I ain't going to do that. He says, if you really love me, then you would obey me. And if you don't obey me, it's not because you have an obedience problem, it's because you have a love problem. And the greatest thing you could ever do is fall in love with Jesus, because the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more that you will begin to obey his commands for us to walk out and live out life here on earth. So he says, if you, if you love me, obey me. And here's what some of you are thinking, man, it's hard. It's hard to obey these commands, like, come on, man, like, this is tough. It's not like you don't know what the Bible says, and there's some things we don't know, and there's some things we'll never understand and know. But come on, the basics, you get it, and here's what happens, man, that's hard. Life's tough, it's hard. So Jesus says, I know, I know life's gonna be tough, so guess what, I'm gonna leave so it can be better for you. And you're like, how can it be better for me? Look what he says. And when I go, remember, I'm going home to prepare a place for you. When I go, I prepare. When I go home, when I go to my throne, when I go to my Father's house, when I go and be with my Heavenly Father, look what He says. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He will never, ever leave you. Who's this advocate? See, your translation may say counselor. Your translation may say comforter. Your translation may, may, may say helper. He says, I'm gonna go to the Father, and when I get there, I'm gonna ask the Father to send to you someone to help you through your life. To walk with you, beside you. It's a very hard word to translate. We don't have an English word for this Greek word here, advocate. So this translation says advocate, which means literally to come along beside of one, to give coaching, counseling, and direction and guidance to someone. So Jesus says, in a way we can understand it, I will send someone to come beside you and in you and help you walk through this messy thing called life. When it's hard to love the people around you when it's hard to fulfill the commands in the scriptures, when you say, I can't surrender at all, I can't die to myself daily, I can't do everything God wants me to do to be a disciple, that's right, you can't, so I'm gonna go. And when I go, I'm gonna send someone to you, though, who will help you, who will be there with you. In verse 17, this is what he says, he is the Holy Spirit. He leads you into all truth. See, the world cannot receive him because the world isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. That's Jesus at this moment. And now later, he will be in you. You remember it says, people I love little kids, they go, hey, tell me what happened. I I got saved. What do you mean? I asked Jesus into my heart. Have you ever heard that before? It's the sweetest thing ever. That's biblically True that God comes and lives inside of me. And here's what some of you are thinking. If God is in me, then why am I still so jacked up? If God is in me, then why can't I love my wife the way Christ loves the church? If God is in me, why can't I break this lust addiction? If God is in me, then why do I still just do the stupid things I do? If that's you, and you fall into any of this going, If he's in me, why am I still so messed up? If that is you, this series is for you. You do not want to miss this series with the battle that you fight with the flesh and the spirit in your life. And he goes on and says this in verse 18. I love this. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Got another whole sermon in that. But when you and I are afraid as believers in Christ, when we're starting to get afraid and we're afraid and we have fear in our life, it's because we have this um, uh, orphan spirit that our heavenly father has abandoned us. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there for you. Verse 19, soon the world will no longer see me. See, Jesus is about to tell, he's already told I'm going to go die, I'm gonna get up out of the grave, but soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, since I live, you will also live. And when I'm raised to life again, see, people but Jesus didn't talk about it, when I'm raised back up out of the grave, I'm gonna die, but when I raise back to life, when I get back up out of the grave, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You talk about being, like, secured. Like, I am in Jesus, Jesus is in the Father. Wow, that's security. We're gonna talk about that this this series. He says in verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. You see, it's not that you have an obedience problem, but you have a love problem. And the greatest thing you can do is fall more in love with Jesus if you want to be obedient to his word. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Keep on down to verse 26, he says, he, he talks to him, and says, well, help me see, I wanna see the Father, show me the Father. And Jesus is like, well, if you've seen the Father, you, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, we are one, all this stuff. And then verse 26, he says, but I will sin. Guys, listen, 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 he's telling the disciples, calm down, don't let your heart be troubled because I'm gonna send the advocate, the comforter, the counselor, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify about me. All about me. He will tell you everything about. He will be with you. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. He's the counselor. He will be your helper. And some of you right now, including myself, I need that. And the reason why most of us fail is because, one, we don't recognize the Holy Spirit in life. Two, we don't depend on the Holy Spirit in our life. And three, some of us, we've not even received the Holy Spirit. And so if we will find out through this series, how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we be filled with the Spirit? How do I live out the Spirit? How do I get out of the way so the helper can help me in this messed up, jacked up world, even when I'm still messed up and jacked up? So if you ever had the thought, man, I, I know I'm saved, but boy, I, sometimes i this series is for you. In fact, I would go as far as say you're in great company because the Apostle Paul dealt with the same thing that you dealt with, and he says this, the things that I don't wanna do, I find myself doing, and the things that I know what ought to do, those are the things I don't do. See, my flesh is waging war against the spirit. My flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. How do you balance this dichotomy of walking in the spirit but still living in a fleshly body? If that's ever came across your mind, I'm telling you what this series is for you. Skip over to chapter 16, verse five. But now I'm going to going away. And as I go away to the one who sent me, and not one of you are asking me where I'm going. So instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. What are they grieving about? You're leaving us. We, we've sacrificed everything. I've walked away from my family business, my job, my house. You know, we, we just gave it all up. This, this lucrative career as a fisherman, Peter would say, we gave it all up for you. What do you expect me to be upset of three years of walking, and now you're telling me you are, are leaving? And instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. So here it is, verse seven. I want you to see this. But in fact, it is best for you. Do you see this? It is best for you that I go. Now, how is that even possible? Jesus, you raise the dead, you heal people, you feed people. Like, come on, man, this is awesome. Like, I go with you no matter what. If I get a boo-boo, you fix it. Like, if I'm hungry, you make me a, a sandwich, man. This is amazing. What do you mean? How can it be? If I die, you can actually bring me back from the dead. So, I mean, can I live forever? I mean, come on, wait. What do you mean it's better for you to leave me? See, we, we read this over, we read over the text, but we don't really emotionally even connect to it. Put yourself in this position here. Yeah, we got the Paul Harvey story, right, the rest of it. We know the end. We see post the cost, but they didn't. They didn't know all this was about to come. They didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. They didn't understand all this. So you would put yourself in their position. You would like, how is it best that I go away? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And in this series, we want to focus on what is it like when God has sent his Spirit. So when did this happen? If you have your Bibles, flip over. I told you this is this is more of a Bible study, Bible trade back. Flip over to Acts chapter one. And I'm I'm gonna show you this because today, really, what I want to do is really just take this time with you to set the entire foundation for this series of where we're heading. As Jesus has sent this Holy Spirit to help you live the life that He always wanted you to live. In Acts chapter one, the Apostle Luke here, Luke was in a physician. Luke writes this in Acts chapter one, verse four. He says, when he was eating with them, this was Jesus, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends the gift he promised. What's the gift? What's the gift? What's what, said? what did he say I'm gonna send to you? We just read it. The Holy Spirit. You're gonna wait because I have a gift. Oh, I get gifts? How many of you love gifts? Come on, get your hand up. You love gifts in here. Come on, I don't know. Some of you like You love gifts. All right, you love. listen to, that's a, that, uh, sir, if your wife just raised her hand, come on, man, I'm trying to help you out, man. She wants gifts, all right? right, All right, you like it? So he says this, go wait because I have a gift for you. Jesus, if I leave, it's gonna be better for you. I have a gift that I want to give you that's gonna help you do everything that I've called you to do. Verse five, you see, John baptized with water, but just in a few days, that's John the Baptist, John the baptizer is what it literally means. John the Immerser, if you want to be correct. John the Baptist. So John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me stop right there. How many of you have been around church before long enough that you've heard someone at some time in your life talk about being baptized with the Spirit? Anybody ever heard that before? Raise your hand. Up. That's all my Pentecostals in the house right there, right? All right, here we go, right? It's like to be baptized with the Spirit. Have you ever thought about really what does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit? What does it mean to be baptized with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit? Is baptism of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit the same thing? Is it a different event? Does it happen more than once? Was it when I got saved? When it was when I recognized later on in life and I was baptized with the Spirit? If I'm baptized with the Spirit, does that mean I have to speak in tongues? Will I speak in tongues? Will I perform miracles? Will I do these great things? Is that evidence I've been baptized with the Spirit because I speak in tongues or not? Have you ever thought about that? If that's you, if you ever had that back question, this series is for you. Because we want to talk about that. What does it mean to be baptized in the Spirit? Walking in the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. What's the Spirit do in my life? Jesus says, listen, I mean, Luke says he told them that John baptized with the water, but soon you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles, verse 6, when they, when they, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied to them, The Father alone has his authority set on those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Now, let me tell you what. Let me just go and take a commercial break right here. We are one closer today than we were yesterday for Jesus returning. He's coming. I don't know when. I thought I would never probably see it in my lifetime. There have been some birth pains that you're trying to. When things happen, what's happening right now in the world? Everyone who studies eschatology, which is the study of the end times, they all come out. They're bringing. They got a. They got a magnifying glass, and they're looking at scriptures, and they're trying to find numbers, and they're trying to find signs. And there's like there's earthquakes, and there's tremors. There've always been earthquakes and tremors. There's pestilence. There's always been pestilence. We've seen this. Is the virus? Is it? Is is the? Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? You don't believe how many people have asked me. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? I'm serious, like I mean, like when things happen right now, crazy people come out. I mean like, like they're, they're all in it and they're studying and it's good, you should study that, you should know that, but let me tell you what, you'll never know the time. And you never know, and here's what, here's what happens, here's what's happened, and if you're not careful, you'll be so distracted trying to predict when Jesus come back, you miss living for Jesus today. Because you're in your corner and you're over here studying, 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 studying which is great, you should study the text. Let me just go in and help all of us out, you ready? He's coming and we win. That's all you need to know. (laughs) Be prepared because life's short, hell's hot. You better be prepared to make sure you're on the winning team. He already told you how to win. Jesus came, He died, He gave His life for you. You put your faith and trust in Him, you win. And we should live as if He is coming and be prepared. So that's why we should witness and live our faith and tell people about Jesus because it could be too late. For some people. So we always, as long as you have breath, we have an opportunity to do it. So listen, I'm all about it, study it, and it is gonna happen, and he is coming, and it is intriguing, but don't get so caught up thinking you can breathe. Anytime you say the world's gonna end at this date, that guy has no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> at all. Sorry for my little commercial break there. But it was in the text, that's what Jesus says. He says, don't worry, the Father has it. Don't you worry about this. You don't have to worry about it. It's not gonna be known. And then here it is, Acts 1.8. Acts 1-8 is is the verse where you go to mission conferences and they they preach it to missionaries. This is where you go to commencements where they line people up And Acts 1-8. This is where the church, you've been in church, you've probably heard this, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power. That Greek word is dunamos. It's where we get our English word dynamite. It's explosive. You will receive power. Like it will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes in you or upon you, and you will be my witness. One sign the Holy Spirit upon you is that you will witness for Jesus. You will be my witness, and you'll tell people about me everywhere you go, everywhere you go, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, all the way to Moorhead, Kentucky. See, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what's gonna happen? You're gonna have this power to have the courage and the boldness to stand up for me because I told you I'm gonna send someone to help you do this in life and it's gonna start right here in Jerusalem and then it's gonna go, it's like a nucleus and then it's gonna go out to, to Judea and then Samaria and before you know it, the gospel will make its way all the way across the planet and I'm telling you what, it will find you right here in eastern Kentucky. How did, you were sitting here right now because of this. Because this is where the church was birthed and God the Father sent the helper. I'm gonna show you this, picture this. This, this This is unbelievable. Acts chapter two, flip over one more, Acts chapter two. It says in verse one, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Now there's just a handful of believers. It's the day of Pentecost. Pentecost literally means fitty. Everybody say fitty. That means 50 for some of y'all trying to figure it out. 50, it's the 50th. Pentecost means 50. It means 50 days. On the 50th day, after what? After the fruits of the festivals of the first fruits, which was what? Seven weeks and one day after Jesus got up out of the grave. So on Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, Jesus gets out of the grave. Fast forward seven weeks, 49 days, And on one day, which is 50th, which would be the Sunday, the first day of the week, the believers were sitting in the upper room on Pentecost. Pentecost just literally means 50. It's 50 days past the resurrection of Jesus. They're sitting there because the law required, or the, the, the law was said on the 50th day, you begin to celebrate so here to celebrate what? To celebrate the law. But they're about to celebrate the spirit and they have no idea. So they're in a room, they're meeting together. I have no idea exactly what they're doing. We don't know everything. They could be doing a Bible study. They could be eating. They could have be been roasting s'mores. I have no idea what's going on at this point. But they're gathered today in the upper room. There's only a handful of them, the church. And then verse two. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So now, I want you to picture this: you're in the house, you're just chilling. I don't know what you're talking about. Maybe talking about why does G- God, Jesus told us to come and wait here, and and now it's been seven weeks and one day. It's the Pentecost. I mean, this is we just what what's going on? And all of a sudden, the wind picks up. Not nothing. You know, you've been around storms before. Not that big deal. And now it picks up even stronger. And now you're like, man, what is this? It's like a tornado coming through here. And next thing you know, it finds its way in the house, and the wind is blowing in the house. Now, I have a picture because how my mind works. You're sitting there, and the lady's hair is blowing all over the place, and someone's like, don't grab the biscuits. or go going to leave the table, so you got to get the bread because we're on a high-carb diet. So you got to make sure you got the bread with you. And people are like, what in the world is going on? And the wind's blowing, and you can't hear nobody, and everyone's freaking out. You see, The Bible's not boring, man, if you just read it. Like, it is so fascinating. And so, they're sitting here, and the wind is blowing inside your house. Inside. That's one thing to be outside. Inside. And now you're a little freaked out right now. And then look what happens. If that didn't spook you out, this will right here. Watch this. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, it's one thing to have wind blowing. It's another thing that a piece of fire is flying through the house trying to land on me. The skeptic in me would be running around the house. Now, for you holy people here, you probably say, oh, fire fall on me, you know, and you're, you're trying to run to it. Not this brother, I am running there is fire trying to land on me, and it looks like a tongue, which is pretty disgusting. The Bible's not born, do you read it? So this is the birth of the church. What's happening right here? What is going on? And so it goes on and says this. It says, there was, it settled on each of them. I don't miss that, on every one of them, not just the good, not just the ones who really, truly follow after Jesus. Every single one of them received this. And look what happens in verse four. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, your translation may say tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And at this very moment, the church was birthed. And what Jesus told his disciples in John 14, I'm going home, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I prepare a place, I will come back to you, but it's best for me to leave because in this world, it's going to be tough. You're going to have trouble. It's okay. I've overcome the world. going to Life is going to be tough, but I'm going to go send a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a counselor who will come and he was going to come in you and live in you and he's going to help you live in this messed up, jacked up world because I'm about to send you on a mission to witness to everyone. Hang tight. The promise has been fulfilled. And the Holy Spirit comes and it lands on every single one and indwells every single believer. Now, for some of you with the charismatic background, or if you're, if you're thinking through this, we said they all begin to speak in tongues. That is not what's taking place here. If you're going to read the rest of the context, it says they spoke in other languages, which means this at the very moment, and you can read this if you want to go home and keep reading Acts chapter 2. What will happen is, let's say that, that some of you here speak Spanish and some of you speak French. and uh, and some of you, I don't know, speak another language, and I'm speaking English. And literally what happened in Acts chapter two, that as I spoke in my native tongue, as I spoke in English, you heard me in your native tongue. And so I'm speaking English, but you hear me in Spanish. And I'm speaking English, but you hear me in Portuguese. And I'm speaking English, and you hear me in French. So like, how's it even possible? That's the miracle that's taking place. So if you understand the context, what happens right here, they begin to speak in other languages. Because at this time, people came all over and traveled to Jerusalem who spoke in different languages. And this is where God wants to send them all back as they get saved to witness to the world. So that's the context here. But I want to encourage you and share this with you The same Holy Spirit that blew into that room is the same Holy Spirit who blew you in here today. You are not here in your home, you're not here by mistake. That same Holy Spirit woke you up, gave you breath, and drawled you to this place. Some of you may be here out of habit, some of you may be here because you gotta check the box off that you did it. Some of you here, you woke up and said, you know what, I've not been in a long time, it's time for me to go again. All that has happened because the Spirit of God has drawn you into this place. The Spirit is still moving, and the Spirit is still blowing, and the Spirit is still saving, and the Spirit is still filling people, even to this day, 2,000 years later. So that was all the background. So the sermon, I have seven minutes and 25 seconds here now to get to the the sermon part, so pray for me. I didn't have no coffee, so we should be able to make it done in time here. So here's my question, and I'm gonna set this quickly for the background for the rest of this series. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who is this wind, this fire? Who is this advocate, this helper, this comforter, this, this uh, um, a- advocate in my life? Who is this person? Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, we believe here at Better Life Church that God the Father is God. We believe that Jesus is God and we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. How can they be three, but one? When Deuteronomy clearly tells us there's only one God, a monotheistic, there's only one true God. How can Jesus be God, the Holy Spirit be God, and the Father be God, but they're one? That, my friend, is called the doctrine of the Trinity. And so here at Bear Life Church, we believe in the Trinity, there are three persons in one. Now, for most of us, including myself, that's hard to fathom. How can that be? How can Jesus claim to be God, but God the Father claim to be God, but the Holy Spirit is God? How can it be three in the one? And so many people with poor illustrations had done their very best to try to explain it. They take an egg, they say, look at an egg, it's got a shell and a white and a yolk, it's one. That's horrible. God is not an egg. Think about H2O, H2O, it could be steam, it could be ice, it could be liquid. It's God. No, no. I understand with good intentions. You're trying to explain it, but the reality is it's unfathomable. And you're trying to explain something that really we can't. So one sect or one group of people teaches modalism. And modalism is where God the Father molded into Jesus, and then Jesus molded into the Holy Spirit. They are one, but they have now condensed into the Spirit. Now, I don't believe the scripture teaches that, as I see through the scripture, and I have those friends and people who believe in modalism, I don't believe the I believe that God the Father is in existence, he's one. Jesus is now at, at praying for us, On the scripture tells us, sitting on his throne beside the Father, and then the Holy Spirit lives within us. They're all three distinct individual persons, but they are one in essence, and one. And I see the scripture Even though the Bible doesn't have the word Trinity in it, you can see this all through the scripture that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is one. I'm gonna point out a couple of things for you just to to whet your appetite. Hopefully you go home and study and research and then you won't miss this series because I really believe it's gonna be very impactful and insightful for your life. But if you go back to Genesis chapter one and you see the creation that's taking place, God's creating everything and everything's good and everything's great. And then all of a sudden we get to Genesis 1, 26 and then I want you to see what it says right here. Then God said, let us make man in our image, According to our likeness. Now let me tell you something about you, your, your pastor. Grammar is probably not my strong suit, but I know us and our is plural. Who is with God when he is creating the universe in man? Who's with him? Who's let us make people in our image? Who's with God? How is there one God but there's a it's plural, all the way back in Genesis. How is that even possible? Some will say, well, he's talking about the angels. God has the angels around him and God says, let us make man in our image, but the problem with that is that angels never participated in the creation of man. Nowhere in this text do we see that. Nowhere do we ever see that, that man was created in the image of angels, because they're not. Nowhere do we see that they were created in their likeness. Let's just make them like angels. We're not angels. In fact, we won't be angels. I know what we say, oh, they got their wings, they would to be an angel. We, we don't become angels. Well, that's that got your attention right there. <laughs> and so this argument that God is talking about angels with him right now is really not convincing at all. It's not even really an argument. But it's plural, who's us? We go a little bit further in Genesis chapter 11 and, and, and the, the people says, let's build a tower. Let's build it all the way up to God and let's, let's become like that. Let's get all the way to the highest of the heavens so people will recognize us. And God's like, man, look at these people. What in the world? What in the world? He says, and then he says right here in Genesis 11, let us go down and confuse their language so they will scatter. Who's us? You remember the prophet Isaiah? Here I am, send me. We've heard that, right? God, here I am, send me. What was the question to that for Isaiah to respond? In Isaiah chapter 6, God said, Who will will I send? Then he says, Who's gonna go for us? Who's us? Who is this monotheistic one God but plural? How's that even possible? See, there's some things it's like, how's that even possible? Who is us? And we could go on and on and on and look through the scripture, but I'm I'm convinced in the scripture that it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And for most of us, we understand God the Father because we can kind of relate to that. Some of us, we get God the Son, Jesus, okay, i Father, Son, I can grasp that, but what's a Holy Ghost? Like, that's spooky. What's a Spirit? How do you relate to a Spirit? And we see this triad all the way through, all the way through the scripture. Two weeks ago, we baptized people and I talked about the Great Commission. And what did Jesus say? Go into all the world, teach them, and what did he say? And baptize them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Why would Jesus give that? Because I believe the scripture teaches that God the Father is God, God the Son is God, and God the Holy Spirit is God. It's God, three persons in one, and listen, it's hard for our minds to even fathom that. But we trust the scriptures and we trust it to be true. Let me tell you something about you, Pastor. I believe this is in God's inspired, infallible, and errant word in its original context. God says what he means. He means what he says. And so when you think something contradicts, you contradict, not the scriptures. The scriptures never contradict itself. It's tried. It is true. But the Holy Spirit, just a couple of thoughts here real quick as, you, as we wrap this up. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it's a person. The Holy Spirit's a person. It's not an it, it will come to you. No, it's a person. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, he says this, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, one, and the love of God, two, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, three, be with you. As Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, we want them to fellowship with you all. The Holy Spirit's a person who's an advocate who comes beside you and that His in you and is gonna help you live out life in this messed up world. And that's what we're gonna be focused on. And then I just, one of the clearest places in the scripture that points out that the Holy Spirit is God is found in Acts chapter five. And after the church got birth and the big movement came, and they thought maybe Jesus was coming back quickly. They thought they were gonna come back pretty soon. So people started quitting their jobs and people started selling their property and people started selling everything and they have been helping the poor and helping people around and they just started waiting for the moment for Jesus to come. They thought he was imminent. It was coming right now. And so they began to do these awesome, great Things of selling property and and uh, helping the poor and helping people. We're gonna get ready. Jesus come. There's no sense of working and let's just go and wait for Jesus to come. But he did not come on their timetable. And so basically, there was a, there's a, there's a husband and wife that decided that hey, let's be part of this and let's go and donate the farm part of the farm that we bought and sell it. But um, and after they told them they're gonna give it all, they kept some of it. And so there's kind of kind of being like greedy and lying about it and in acts chapter 5 i want you to hear what peter says peter then said to ananias why have you let satan fill your heart you lied to the holy spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself now look what he says the property was yours to sell or not so you didn't have to no one forced you no one made you do anything that's not the problem you, you didn't have to sell it it's up to you you chose to do it and after some, the money was also yours to give away. You could do what you want to. You didn't have to, but you lied about it. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but look what it says, but you lied to God. Did you see that in the same passage? You lied to the Holy Spirit. Man, you lied to God. It's one of the clearest pictures in the scripture where it says that the Holy Spirit is God with us, in us, empowering us to live, who fills us. But what do you do when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're filled with the Spirit or you have the Spirit within you, but you still blow it and you mess up? You're like, I need help. Where's the help room? Well, help is coming. And that's what we're gonna focus on in this series. I'm telling you, don't wanna miss the next several weeks we're going to talking about baptism in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, what it looks like, the walk in the Spirit. It's gonna be, and it's gonna take us all the way into Thanksgiving. I'm telling you, this is a series that you don't want to miss. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads. Just a couple thoughts. For some of us, maybe that was the first time we've ever heard that. Man, we're so glad you're here. We believe the Bible is true. We're going to teach the Bible. And we're going to walk out what the Scripture says. For some of you, you're like, man, that's me, man. I know I'm giving my life to Jesus, but man, I'm, st- I'm still struggling, or my marriage is struggling, or my life is struggling. I'm still got problems I need to deal with, like my mind, and how do I? Listen, this is a series. We're gonna walk this out. You keep coming. And for some of you, maybe today, you need to receive the Spirit by giving your life to Jesus. And right where you say it, you could give your life to Jesus. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so maybe for you today, you need to cry out to God, your heavenly Father. And give your life to Him. And all of our campuses, your campus pastoral hosts, is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next steps. But we'd love to have a conversation and help you in any way we can walk this out in your life. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that's new every day. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that marvelous gift. Thank you we have a helper, an advocate, a comforter, a counselor in time of need. Lord, through this series, help us to see you. Help us to recognize, Holy Spirit, you in our lives and what we must do to get out of the way so that you can fill us with your presence, but God, with your power to live this out. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen.